Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show dedicated to exploring all the mysteries in this ineffable world we call home. Today on the show, we're going to be going over the Black Vault, created by John Greenwald Jr., a UFO researcher who dedicated his life to the phenomenon and has over 3 million declassified government documents on the topic. He's one of the foremost experts in government UFO cover-ups in the world. So this is going to be an incredibly interesting episode. Let's get into it, shall we? I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. This is, this is the way. This is the way. These, these entities, they would congregate. Now is the time to take risks. the recent government wishy-washiness on the UFO reports. Well, I guess they actually call them UAPs, Unknown Aerial Phenomenon. But it makes anyone with half a brain that's followed UFOlogy for an extended period of time kind of cringe. They really do think that we're all stupid. And who's to say they're wrong? I mean, other than you, of course, dear listener. But the truth is, only for those who seek it. So, we're in a minority. What little crumbs that we have been given, though, shows just how crazy this stuff has really become over the years and if they're giving us crumbs that means that it's pretty bad they can't cover it up no matter what anymore and the government has been extremely good at these ufo cover-up narratives but we've learned a lot and one of the best researchers out there on the ufo phenomenon cover-ups is john greenwald jr his book inside the black vaults covers pretty much the entire history of ufo government cover-ups and how they went down This is the stuff they really don't want you to know, FYI. So I highly suggest looking into John's work. So check out the details of this episode and I'll have his his entire social media tree there for you, all linked. Pick up his book, all that good stuff. Follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter too, but you know the drill. John spent his entire youth sending freedom of information requests to every single government entity that you can think of concerning the UFO phenomenon, much to the annoyance of those agencies. And it has given John massive authority on the topic of ufology. And he goes all the way back to the early stuff, the classics. Like, everybody knows what Roswell is. For generations, if you asked anybody about Roswell, 95% of the time, they're going to know exactly what you're talking about, no matter who they are. And the mainstream herd type people will say that it has been debunked into the ground. It was just a weather balloon or, you know, something like that. However, anyone capable of critical thought and actually looks at the documentation with an open mind can see that this stuff, the official narrative just does not add up. Like it's obvious. For example, right off the bat, with little effort made in researching, you see that the investigation was pretty much crippled from the start by those who supposedly were investigating it from a place of authority. 
and a lot of the documents about the Roswell incident were destroyed all the way back when it was fresh. There are countless accounts of even the people going back and forth about the story, not believing their own BS, especially the airbase that was originally in charge when they discovered or when it was brought to their attention. They themselves were like, what do you want us to say? This is obviously not what you're telling us it is. However, when you break it down, it does make sense that the establishment tried to crush all dissenting views on the matter because it was basically right after World War II. This was all on everybody's mind still. And this uptick in UFO sightings across the U.S. could be the enemy. The war could secretly still be going on. And these flying, un these unknown flying machines or whatever, they could actually be the enemy that had survived or not surrendered like the rest of the people and uh, just be remnants of Axis powers. There were UFO sightings before and during World War II, but the sightings really picked up after the war, which heightened people's anxieties over the unexplained phenomena. And with the communists out to enslave the world, there really wasn't much room for dissent and the government needed everybody to be standing against the communist threat pretty much in solidarity. There really wasn't any room for mass panic among the population as a national security threat. So the tradition of crushing any narratives outside their own became entrenched in the government and is still very much present to this day. Now, like I said, they are giving us crumbs now, which means that it's getting too hard to control. Or there is a PSYOP going on for some coming fake alien invasion or something. But back when all the government cover-ups began back in Roswell, New Mexico, the feds were on a gaslighting marathon against anyone who witnessed UFOs. And it was a full-blown war, basically. <laughs> People very much were literally driven insane by all this stuff. The press did still love their flying saucer stories because they sold so well, but it was always done in a way that obfuscated or humiliated. After all, don't ever let the truth get in the way of a good story, right? But my point is that back when the Roswell incident happened, the first stories that were released actually didn't align with all the later stories by the government. General Roger Ramey was the second person to respond when a local sheriff had no idea what to make of the debris from the crashed flying saucer. Major Jesse Marcel was ordered to investigate, and he collected all the debris from the crash site. But even more interesting about these surviving early documents is that the Major actually made a statement to the press about the crash, and it was official that the military had recovered a flying saucer. This is what caused the panic and the word Roswell to become a household name. Headlines and news outlets were all completely consumed in this story across the country, and this really pissed off the government. The American people were already anxious about UFO sightings across the nation, but after the military officially said that they had a flying saucer and it going viral, something had to be done. And the cover-up of Roswell began. It only took a couple of days for the military to do a complete 180 and became very aggressive in how they dealt with people on the topic, saying stuff that we're more familiar with like, it was nothing but a weather balloon. But the farmer who owned the land that the thing crashed on the sheriff, the military personnel who first came to investigate all said a different story. Because there are also aliens allegedly recovered from this crashed UFO. In fact, when the airfield that was originally involved was told the story that it was a weather balloon over the phone, it was obvious that no one was buying it. 
and it isn't suspicious at all that the majority of documents around this time were destroyed. No, not suspicious at all, right? There is also no indication of who ordered the records destroyed or what agency or authority destroyed them. For almost a hundred years, we've gotten debunking narrative after debunking narrative, swamping the public and information to make it too hard to go through it all to find the facts. And this is um, an age-old tactic of the government. One thing to know is that if they are putting so much energy and focus into debunking something, it is probably something they don't want you to know about, and um, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, the later narrative was uh, the alien bodies that were discovered on the scene and were documented by the first people to investigate it. These were actually just flying test dummies on the weather balloon that was added to the story later, which would make it the first and only weather balloon to ever have test dummies on it, or inside of it, I mean, in the history of weather balloons. But there's a whole list of stuff that the debunking narratives say that just doesn't make sense and doesn't add up. When stories change around a topic so many times, this is a pretty big uh, red flag that there's BS going down. The Roswell Report, case closed, is the latest supposedly final word on the matter. And it's some good propaganda. I'll give them that. But the laughable cover-up of Roswell was nothing compared to what was coming, though. I think most of you are familiar with Project Blue Book, which was a military-ran research program that uh, dealt into the topic of UFOs and spanned over a decade. This is where they got really, really good at their bullshit generator. But Project Blue Book is actually three different programs, supposedly about investigating the UFO phenomenon. It started with Project Sign in 1947, then Project Grudge in 1949, and finally, Project Blue Book in 1952. Now, what these programs were really about was controlling the narrative. And don't ever let anyone tell you anything otherwise. And just like the Roswell cover-up, when you dig into the documentation concerning um, Project Blue Book, the narrative collapses in on itself just as easily. J. Allen Hynek is probably the most famous person to come out of Project Blue Book, and he was a part of all three of the UFO military programs all the way up into the 60s. He's the one responsible for coming up with a lot of the rhetoric and like the script debunking that a lot of people have. Um, he's the original person who came up with a lot of that stuff. Like, it was swamp gas. Or it was really just Venus. Or it was light reflecting off weather balloons. Cliche type stuff that we're used to. And indeed, J. Allen Hynek was a committed skeptic and helped the military and government debunk hundreds of UFO cases. This guy is really, really fascinating, actually. Dr. Hynek was a respected scientist and pretty well known in academia, but the one thing that he lacked was corruption, much to the dismay of the government. Hynek was absolutely a dedicated scientist who lived and died by the scientific method, so it wasn't about belief with him, it was about evidence. He was not a stooge that the military could just use to push their narratives. And even though Hynek disproved a lot of UFO stuff, over time, he slowly started to notice discrepancies in his work. But the most important aspect of his change was it occurred very, very slowly over time, over years. 
But eventually, the scientific method and his research began suggesting the authenticity of many UFO accounts. One thing that really annoyed Hynek that he only kind of realized later after witnessing a lot of what was going on was how the government or the military, I mean, basically already had their idea made up about UFOs before he even researched any of them. What they were doing was they were saying that, or they had the idea, I mean, that UFOs were not real and everything else was just to prove what they already thought. It revolved around assembling evidence around that, which is just pretty much the definition of confirmation bias. And as he realized this, he became more confrontational with his military superiors on Project Blue Book, but this was over time and later when evidence that went against his own beliefs became apparent. Hynek's ethical scientific nature could not go along with the military's charade anymore. Hynek, the head debunker of the government concerning all things UFO, became a believer. There was just too much legitimate evidence for the scientists to deny it any longer. When the government noticed that he was investigating more and more credible UFO accounts with less of what they wanted to hear, the scientist almost lost his job while Project Blue Book was still going on. What saved his job was that he would tell the military personnel what they wanted to hear while still continuing his now genuine believer research. So in order to continue his access to classified stuff, he would tell the government the debunked nonsense that they wanted to hear while legitimately documenting and researching on his own. It was uh, a while before the establishment powers caught on. Heineck would go on many adventures while being a genuine believer. And he had some other buddies who were genuine believers as well as uh, like members of the, I think at least one, but maybe a couple of members of the CIA. And he gathered so much knowledge that the man could write more about the topic of ufology than he ever knew what to do with. He did end up writing about uh, all of his experience and whatnot, but that came later. However, Hynek, most of all, understood that Project Blue Book was a fraud. It didn't matter what he discovered or what evidence came to them. As far as the government was concerned, UFOs did not exist. And that was the only conclusion that would be allowed. In 1972, Hynek put his thoughts into a book, The UFO Experience which critiqued the shit out of the federal government and their eternal parroting about UFOs being easily explainable. It's all swamp gas. And uh, only the insane or charlatans push the idea as fact. By the end of Project Blue Book, they'd researched 12,618 UFO accounts, with only 700 or so being labeled as unexplainable. Hynek said that this number of solved cases was greatly exaggerated and arbitrary, just so the government could label them closed, even though they were anything of the sort. But even if just around 700 cases were officially labeled as unexplained, isn't that like a, a lot? That's a lot of possible alien encounters. Think about if there were experiments to cure cancer, and only 700 out of the 12,000 experiments worked and proved that cancer could be cured. It wouldn't stop the research. <laughs> it would only mean that the research was actually going somewhere and is valid. So you can see why Hynek got so upset with the government because to him, we were obviously dealing with a non-human intelligence behind a lot of UFO accounts. 
and made no sense not to investigate further. But that's not what the military wanted. They just wanted the public to shut up about the topic. And that's it. Project Blue Book was always a farce and just another psyop on the pile of psyops that the government is guilty of. And despite their trying to close the lid on UFOs and public discourse, the phenomenon actually only got worse. UFO sightings would only increase over the decades. Oh, and it's some of Hynek's documents where we first see the men in black come about in the UFO phenomenon lore. I definitely got to get around to covering some men in black stuff one of these days. Some people think that the men in black were either like the real alien investigator unit, and you know how Hynek and Project Blue Book were the farce for the public. Some people think that the men in black were the real deal, while others think that the men in black are like a rogue agency doing their own thing separate. And now, you know, there's all kinds of other theories on the men in black. I don't want to go too in-depth into them right now. But no matter what the government said or what the military said, the UFO sightings were just getting worse, and they were very invasive into sensitive areas in the United States. In 1952, tons of UFOs were swarming sensitive Air Force bases, as well as Washington, D.C. itself. So obviously, not everyone was buying the whole all UFOs are fake narratives being pushed by the government, even within the government and military itself. To hardcore ufologists, there is a lot to suggest that there was a surface farce program like Project Blue Book, and then there was the Real Deal program, which was dissecting aliens and reverse engineering the UFO technology to make their own UFOs from the crash debris and all that stuff from Roswell, because this is where Area 51 comes into the story. And this surface narrative fake program most likely had no idea that there might be a Real Deal program going on in the background, and even hidden from sitting presidents. And it's interesting to see that a lot of people working on these projects from the military will go on to make their own UFO research organizations and write books on their experiences and stuff like that later. Like the people who originally went into debunk were non-believers, and then all of a sudden there was just too much evidence and they became believers. There's a lot of these people that came out of Project Blue Book all these once skeptics made believers would heavily scrutinize the military's integrity concerning Project Blue Book. And there are a lot of books out there on these guys where, or written by these guys, I mean, talking about their experience, and you should definitely check them out if you're interested. I'll leave some links in the description of the episode. But all the people who worked on the project, who became believers, they understood that the project, the whole project, had no interest in actually investigating the mystery or giving the public any truth or objectivity concerning the phenomenon. And anyone who didn't go along with the program would, there's some horror stories, but they definitely suffered abuse, threats, coercion tactics to the extreme, you name it. Hence why they started programming the public to ostracize UFO believers in the media. And the herd happily agreed, as it usually does, though not consciously. They call the media programming for a reason. But the legit researchers were not buying any of the BS, and they would not be silenced no matter what uh, was threatened against them. The government didn't care about the UFOs because they saw the American people as the actual security threat. Well, and our 
obsession with UFOs was also part of this possible security threat, which is kind of hilarious, but totally makes sense. After all, these people were looking at the American people themselves as a security threat, just as much as the Soviet Union. Dr. Hynek really does deserve a lot more attention because he's one of the biggest reasons why we do know as much as we do. And he's revealed a lot of the, you know, the stupid PSYOP crap behind a lot of those government agencies, Project Blue Book, all that stuff. I will definitely explore more of Dr. Hynek in the future, but one thing was for sure, he no longer trusted the government like he did before. And that makes a lot of sense because he learned the best way to tell if someone from the government is lying is if their lips are moving. Thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third-party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. John Greenwald Jr. is the main source of information in this episode, and one of the most interesting UFO encounters that is objectively documented that got him into ufology is the 1976 Iran incident, which shows a level of technology so advanced that we are not even close to it right now in modern times.
1976 over the city of Tehran, Iran. The local Air Force commander got some bizarre calls about there being bizarre flying lights in the sky. He dismissed the calls, since he didn't have any jets or aircraft out at the time. But after the third call, he got kind of interested anyway, despite telling people over the phone that it was nothing to worry about and it was probably just a bright star or something. But what he saw when he went out to check blew his mind. It was a flying object brighter than any star and was making insane maneuvers at impossible speeds, only to then stop suddenly and then keep moving as if there was no inertia whatsoever. Alarmed, the man immediately scrambled an F-4 Phantom jet to go check out what it could possibly be. However, when the jet got close to the massive UFO, the pilot lost all ability to actually pilot the plane. All the tech just shut down as if it was all turned off by a single switch. He was dead in the air staring at the UFO dumbfoundedly and unable to defend himself. The controls to the jet did come back on before tragedy struck and then the pilot, you know, re regained control and headed back to the base traumatized. A second jet was sent out and a second UFO seemed to come out of the first one. But at first, the pilot thought it was a missile, so he readied his weapons systems to fire, but once again, everything shut down, completely unexplainably, and the jet went totally dead in the air, like the first one. The pilot said it was zigzagging at impossible speeds, and there was no way that any human could withstand it, that kind of speed, without their guts turning to mush. He too soon regained control of his aircraft, though, and the UFO returned to the larger one. But then a third UFO came out of the larger one and zoomed to the ground before stopping suddenly, and then a bright light shining out from beneath it onto the ground below. And then a fourth UFO came out. So it must have been like a, a mothership larger one, basically. And the pilot regained full control of his jet and then headed back to the base, traumatized like the first pilot. In the morning, the Iranian military checked out the area where the, one of those UFOs kind of landed and shined its light over the ground. And the local people said they didn't really see anything but bright lights and heard loud noises, but nothing else. There were soil samples taken from the site, but other than that, that's pretty much everything we know about this account. It is uh, one of the most legit accounts out there, but not too much is known about it other than what we got. And I don't think that there really is anything more to know about this account because it's actually unclassified. It was never classified. Researcher John Greenwald Jr. says that even though a lot of this type of stuff is classified, they actually, they can't refuse if you request information using the Freedom of Information Act. In many cases, there is going to be tons of blacked out lines and redacted stuff, but at the same time, in many cases, a lot can still be understood. And this is how John built up his massive archive of UFO knowledge. And the stuff that they can offer goes against what the military themselves say. In fact, they lie outright over and over and mislead and everything you can think of. But the thing is this. They can lie all they want and try to mislead or manipulate you. But if you request something specifically using the Freedom of Information Act, they are required to give it to you. Well, not always. There's... Uh, like you can take them to the court and stuff like there's all kinds of other stuff that can go on but for the most part they can't say no they are required to give it to you or at least a heavily censored version of the document at the very least and this happened tons of times to john during his ufo research 
And at one point, the officer he was talking to said that they didn't have any documents of UFOs. They didn't care about UFOs. The government didn't care about them at all. But later, he discovered that that same officer was actually in charge of all the UFO documents for that military branch, which is hilarious. And the kind of stuff you got to deal with when trying to get any semblance of truth out of these government agencies and whatnot. The, the main thing to take away from this is don't believe anything that they say and be firm in your request for documentation because they have to give it to you. But they are going to bullshit and gaslight you like a motherfucker. If you ask for anything and it's your first time or first couple of times, they'll give you these attached documents that state to debunk everything especially the older stuff. So no matter what they say or debunking documents they try to give you, just gotta not fall for the psyop. As John learned, these people don't give a crap about anything you got to say or about truth or whatever. They're just following a script. However, they can't deny a freedom of information request and won't screw with that. But like I said, depending on what it is, the document could just be a bunch of black lines with the entire thing redacted, basically. It's like, here's a piece of paper with black lines on it. Thanks. Technically, that's still them following through on their side. It just depends on because they have to fight a lot of times to keep censored stuff censored. And there's like so many different directions I could go in this episode. I've been staying pretty materialistic while still covering the UFO cover up stuff. You know that aliens are like living physical beings and their crafts are physical crafts flying in the air literally there but with how a lot of ufos are just seemingly lights or flying orbs or balls of fire stuff like that there's a whole new level of weird we could get into concerning ufos especially concerning some of the more like recent researchers what they've put together i could also go into the alleged ancient alien government cover-ups too but I think I might just stay more focused more on the way that the phenomena is understood by the public or the general, generally the public, I guess, at large, in like a grounded sense. Don't get me wrong, though. I'd really like to get into John Keel's ultra-terrestrials and other various theories concerning aliens and UFOs. But I think in this episode, it would be better to just stay with the theme of uh, being more grounded. And depending on where your view on the topic is, dear listener... It could get confusing if I try to cover too much without enough time for context. However, I absolutely do need to cover more John Keel in the future, because it's hard for me to stay quiet about the more interesting stuff over there on that side of the aisle. But for years and years, the Air Force Chief of Staff and other government institutions said that they had no interest in the UFO phenomenon to literally anyone that brought it up. Despite being regularly debriefed on UFO accounts all the way up from the 60s to the present, they always say one thing and do another. And these debriefings also include US intelligence agencies, those oh-so-corrupt organizations people who don't live in the Matrix are all too familiar with. Not only this, but these intelligence agencies were also tracking and documenting UFO research groups across the nation. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those people were listening to this episode at some point, or even had me on some list somewhere. Not that I care, though. Hey, intelligence agent, send me some cash and I'll help in the PSYOP. <laughs> but for decades, these groups would infiltrate UFO researchers and spy on them, all the while feeding them misinformation. At one point, 
I think it was the Air Force, but it might have been the FBI. I think it was the F Air Force, though. But at one point, they drove one of these researchers literally insane by feeding them false info and gaslighting them and whatnot. The guy thought that he was interacting with um, someone on the inside about the aliens, like go a government person. He thought that he had a source from the inside, but it was really just a stooge who later admitted to doing it, by the way. And he felt really bad about it because he got really close to the guy. So it really makes you wonder how many half-truths have been spun? How many celebrity paranormal talking heads out there are part of the PSYOP? I mean, if we're looking at this objectively, then you shouldn't even trust me, listener. And you shouldn't. But for the most part, after the farce of Project Blue Book, government agencies mostly stepped into the background concerning the UFO phenomenon. They wouldn't be as in the public spotlight as they were back in the day. And they would stay kind of hidden, at least until lately, when Congress is actually talking about this kind of stuff. But you and I both know to expect BS and half-truths from the system. But as technology got better, their ability to cover up this stuff only got better too, um, and worse at the same time. Because with the information age came literally anyone from home able to research and learn about the UFO phenomenon from a private computer and comfort of their own home while searching the internet, which would become a pretty big problem for the establishment. What's even more bizarre is a lot of these UFOs seem to be intent on penetrating sensitive airspace right up the government's noses. So like military bases, government agencies were usually getting the best UFO shows. However, servicemen who were open about reporting their experiences have always been swiftly reprimanded and their stories changed after reporting what they've seen. The worst thing you can do in the military is to say that you saw a UFO, even if you are surrounded by other military people and they all saw it too. Some of the documents that John Greenwald has gotten are very interesting concerning military personnel, like a tanker in 1975 lighting up UFOs then reporting them in only to be told that there is no aircraft in the area. Not only military, but civilian too. And John has a ton of these accounts from his years-long of Freedom of Information Act requests. Also in 1975, Montana reported a series of visual and radar contacts with UFOs. The jets scrambled, couldn't even make contact with the UFOs, even though they were still visible to the naked eye. Which doesn't make sense, but yeah. And the documents talk about how some of these unidentified flying objects encountered by the military during this time would seem to be moving incredibly slow visually, but when the jets were sent out to engage, they couldn't even find the UFOs, even if they were on the radar and could be visually seen by the ground crew. Doesn't make sense, right? Um, so this, some bizarre technology or glitch in the matrix or something but this is all legit from declassified military documents. Maybe the ships had some kind of stealth or camouflage specifically for the jets, or maybe they could control what the pilots thought or could see like telepathically or something. Who knows? All I know is it doesn't make any sense. And during these sightings, they all occurred around the same time as the ones I'm talking about right now. They were all at sensitive military bases and in some cases containing weapon storage facilities and even nuclear arsenals. And no matter what Air Force personnel tried, they could not contain the threat. 
The UFOs could have done whatever they wanted to the bases, and the military wasn't able to do anything about it, which is probably another reason why they are so obsessed with covering the phenomena up, because they are impotent to do anything about it and want to control the narrative so that that isn't ever revealed. The military base invasions continued all throughout the 70s. These sensitive airspace invasions that even happened over bases that had nukes at them. Um, let's just say the military was pretty freaked out. And if you have any interest in reading all these documented encounters by the military, check out John's work. He's put all this stuff together really well, and you can research all of the documents that I've been referencing as well as all the ones that I haven't talked about, I mean, he's got tons of these things, of these military encounters that you could go over if you want. So basically, the UFO phenomenon had legitimately become a national security threat. But now to peep out of the government concerning the topic, I mean, why were UFOs throughout the 70s so interested in weapon depots and nuclear facilities? Maybe this is the reason for all the cover-ups? The need for secrecy? Because what if the public knew that our own bases, with the most powerful weapons humans have ever created, are vulnerable to UFOs as a hot knife cutting through butter? There is no mistake in the military documents that if the things behind the UFOs wanted to attack, we wouldn't be able to do anything about it. We'd be as vulnerable as babies. And there's nothing we could do to resist them whatsoever if they ever had any real ambitions for our planet. Scary thought, right? The military thinks so. Hence why secrecy is the highest priority, no matter what. It's a national security issue on both fronts. Hence the need for the NSA, the National Security Agency. Until Edward Snowden, no one really knew or cared about the NSA. A lot of people didn't even know it existed. It's much more overshadowed by the other government intelligence agencies. But this is the agency that spies on you through your cell phone, your emails, your texts. This is like the Patriot Act, people. I'm not joking. It's the agency that watches literally everyone and probably has a large file on you, dear listener, as well as me. Um, but they, they basically spy on everybody. That's what they do. But despite their specialty in spying on the American people, the NSA also has a long and sinister history concerning the UFO phenomenon. These are the guys that are the hardest to get information from concerning the Freedom of Information Act. And that's for a couple different reasons. First one is if it involves another agency, it has to be sent to them and confirmed through them and then resent back to the NSA. So they, they have to send it to other intelligence agencies and they have to redact whatever or approve whatever and then it gets sent back to them, and then they can do their redactions and stuff like that. So it can kind of get like caught on a treadmill. It's a juggling act, a bureaucratic juggling act, and this is most likely on purpose, but in the end, you just get a sheet of blacked-out words, and the document is completely incomprehensible. And there are tons of shenanigans that they can pull to make sure no one gets any documents that they don't want them to get. And the shenanigans even escalates to courtrooms. I didn't know that you could sue government agencies, but you totally can. And if they, especially if they deny Freedom of Information Act requests or are not cooperating, you still have to prove your right legally in court to a judge, of course. 
but that's still kind of cool to know, right? And the NSA is notorious for withholding UFO phenomenon documents, seemingly in conflict with the Freedom of Information Act. They are always so hardcore that their information is too dangerous or important to ever be revealed to the public. They really, really do not want to give any of the UFO documents out to the public whatsoever, and they fight tooth and nail to the bitter end every single time. They even give out multiple court document affidavits to explain why, with one version for the public, one uncensored version, and one for the judge. They even censor their own legal documents on why they can't give out their information for national security reasons. I wonder why that is. One thing you can invest in that does not lose value is gold and silver. There is no better place to go for financial security than GoldCo. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. Get the free 2023 Gold IRA Kit Americans are using to protect their retirement savings. Get your free 2023 Gold IRA Kit at goldcogoldkit.com. GoldCo is a leader in the precious metals industry. From Precious Metals IRA to direct purchases of precious metal coins and bars, we partner with individuals seeking to diversify and safely grow their retirement portfolios. Allow Gold Co. to make your gold and silver investments easy, seamless, and secure. Our investment is in good hands. Chuck Norris, what? Oh, I'm recording. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at Amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E dot com. Is your brain always hungry? Do you have a mental appetite that often goes unsated? You may be suffering from hungry brain syndrome, a debilitating and sometimes life-threatening condition experienced by humans who require double, sometimes even quadruple, the amount of mental nutrition needed to sustain the general population. But now there's help. For years, our dedicated team of world-class researchers have been developing a thicker, more nutrient-dense podcast specifically for sufferers of hungry brain syndrome. And now we want to share it with you. All you have to do is search for our podcast, The Whole Rabbit, in your podcast player of choice and select from one of our delicious flavors like Slovenian succubi, Gnosticism, or Ancient Egypt. It's no wonder The Whole Rabbit is the most recommended treatment for hungry brain syndrome on the market. So what are you waiting for? Try The Whole Rabbit today. Do not listen while deep sea diving. Side effects may include eating carrots and shooting lasers. One of the most interesting things that John Greenwald Jr. took away from his avalanche of Freedom of Information requests, also called FOIAs, was that the UFO phenomenon was not in the slightest unique to the United States. There were just as many UFO sightings all across the world. And they also had interests in military bases and nukes in other countries too. So there was an odd unifying theme of UFOs penetrating sensitive airspace. And this whole obsession with the UFOs being interested in like nukes and stuff like that kind of reminds me of the Space Brother, more esoteric side of the UFO phenomenon lore. 
but I guess it could be possible that they are analyzing the weapons or how to disarm them so that we don't destroy ourselves. That's just an idea, though. No one has any evidence about what the intentions of these aliens could be, or the UFOs, I mean. They could just as easily be analyzing our military capabilities for a bunch of other possible reasons, but all those are just arbitrary theories. Another idea is they could be, like, testing to see how much of a fight we could put up if they invaded, but I doubt that they would need to work very hard in that category. Pretty sure it would just be like Independence Day where we throw all our, all our nukes at them and it just, they have this advanced technology that it just blows up on and we actually just end up hurting ourselves. Or something of the like, I'm just throwing stuff out there. There really isn't any way to know or tell what they were up to or why they have this interest in the military bases and whatnot across the world. It really just comes down to what do you think it could be from your own perspective and ideas. And that's just as right as any other. If you ask the more esoteric people from the UFO phenomenon stuff, they'll say that it's the space brothers who are making sure that we don't hurt ourselves or the planet. And there's a lot of lore behind this saying stuff that like they won't ever interfere with us unless we risk destroying the planet or ourselves. Because they don't want to get involved unless they have to. That kind of stuff. I think a lot of people in the 90s and 60s and 70s were channeling so-called aliens that were telling us this kind of st- this, these kind of things. But John isn't about any of that. He's more into the grounded, real, gritty aspect of the UFO phenomenon. But it could be that the only reason why the world has not ended in all-out nuclear war already is because of these aliens. But then again, there, there was no indication the various different UFO types are even on the same side or same team, so to speak. The world has had a gun at its head with the trigger half pulled for close to a century now, and it has already almost ended in nuclear annihilation a decent amount of times already. Maybe they swooped in on these times, like that one time it was just like an algorithm glitch that... It seems like a bunch of nukes were coming at Russia and the people in the Russian military were like, oh my gosh, we're going to blow up, send the nukes back at them. And the guy was like, no, let's wait a second. This might be an error. And it turned out to be an error. <laughs> Just that stupid algorithm glitch almost blew up the world. The aliens could have been involved in not allowing that to happen somehow. That's what I'm saying. And the nuclear connection to the UFOs is objective. So it's backed up by irrefutable evidence. John's massive amount of information he's collected from the CIA is some of the most interesting documents that he's obtained using FOIAs. It took him years and years to get the information from them, and it was a rough battle for every single document. In 1996, they even tried to sell John a bunch of records. This batch of records was originally released because the CIA got sued, and since that lawsuit, they've handed out these particular documents to anyone who asked. Uh, but they had to pay a price. They always charged for them. And at the time that John was asking for these documents, he was a teenager in high school, so he didn't really have the money for them. But he did work really hard and saved up money and got donations from other people and eventually got enough money to purchase the documents. Wait, am I confusing earlier ones? Because he at two points gets a batch of... Three points gets uh, like batches of documents from the CIA. The first batch, actually, he didn't really want. This stuff was already released and had been gone over by UFO researchers with like a fine, like a microscope. 
What John wanted was unreleased documents on UFOs. The CIA was not too happy about this. They were not cool with FOIA requests, even though they did have to acknowledge them, like I said earlier. And the CIA claimed that the documents that they had were all complete and what they've given out was, was everything. And that's all they knew. However, decades had passed since the prior release of the documents and they end in the 80s. There's no way that nothing had been added to it since then. John wanted the UFO records from the CIA that were post-1980, but the CIA fought tooth and nail not to give him anything. Going back and forth with him, wasting time, feigning ignorance and incompetence, the CIA would never respond to his questions or acknowledge anything he was asking concerning any documentation after the after the ones that was originally released, any documents after 1980. But later, after much battling, they finally said that they'd give him some new unreleased documents. However, he had to pay a lot of money for it. And this is what I was uh, referring to earlier. And for this pile of unreleased documents, um, he got a lot of help from his supporters who believed in his cause about uh, uncovering the truth behind UFOs. He managed to raise the money and got the documents from the CIA. And this is back when he was in high school, which is incredibly impressive. The CIA once again claimed that that was all that they had and all that they knew and, you know, blah, 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 concerning UFOs. But after years and years of fighting, here were some new unreleased documents, though they were in for disappointments. Because what he got was not what he expected. It turned out to be the papers were all freshly printed new articles from around the world concerning UFOs over decades, which is still very interesting. It was information collected by the FBIS that documents foreign stuff, including the UFO phenomenon. So anything with the word UFO in it across the globe was documented by them. And this is what the CIA had sent him, a compilation of this stuff. The documents did not contain a single page about UFO info from the 1990s and up, like he, like he was looking for. The CIA was not used to being asked for information they did not want to give out, and John says that they played a lot of games with people, but not only with him, with other people too, ever requesting FOIAs. And come on, there is no way that the CIA stopped investigating the UFO phenomenon after the 80s. And when he eventually did get the unreleased documents, what he found were some interesting accounts of UFOs concerning the late Cold War. Many supposed Soviet spy ships turned out to be unexplained aerial phenomena. And the Soviets thought the same thing on their side, that the uh, objects could just be American spy craft. However, in many accounts, both on both sides, this was labeled as unexplained. Later, John could get some real information from them, and there turned out to be a lot of UFO encounters the CIA had been documenting. However, as usual, tons of the paperwork was redacted. John still could put together enough to understand what, like at least to a degree, what was going on in them, but a lot was still left out. What the CIA documents assured, however, was that whatever the real story was behind the UFO phenomenon, it was still unsolved and heavily top secret. The forces behind the scenes had never stopped their UFO research and suppression tactics against the public. What's funny too, the CIA actually tried to blame all UFO sightings from the 50s and whatnot, the 60s, on the secret U-2 plane from back in the day. To which John, in his FOIA requests, asked for emails from the CIA, and yes, you can even freedom of information request emails, even if you're not sure if there's any information within those emails that exist. 
if there just happens to be any information you're asking for in those emails, you can totally throw a Hail Mary. But they seem to have thought that they were clever in going about this easily debunked lie. They even tweeted this out on UFO Day that, hey, you know all the UFO sightings back in the 50s? Well, that was us with our U-2 jet. Even though this is off by almost half a decade on the timeline concerning declassified U-2 documents. So yeah, as I said at the beginning of this episode, they just assume that we're all stupid. In truth, the government has tried to debunk the UFO phenomenon over and over and over and over and failed each and every single time. And John asks, kind of, what, where can they go now from here? I mean, that's why we're seeing Congress actually talk about this kind of stuff lately. They're pretty much backed into a corner these days. What it comes down to is there are no real answers to the phenomenon, and the deeper you go into it, the more it just leads to more questions. People have claimed to know what's going on, but many people will say anything to make them appear special to themselves and to others. And there is always a con man out there willing to say whatever is necessary to make some money off some suckers. If there is anyone who truly knows what's going on, they're not saying anything. The rest of the so-called evidence some people try and throw out is subjective or arbitrary. But then again, that's why this phenomenon is so interesting in the first place. is because it's so all over everywhere. And there's just so much to it. And John says just because there's no way to obtain any absolutes here, there's no reason to stop investigation or stop looking into stuff or reading people's UFO encounters and whatnot because in a lot of ways, the phenomenon interacts with people completely unique to them. So the lack of objectivity should never stop anyone from being intrigued and reading books and the like on this topic. We are all in this together. Even the government has very little idea what these UFOs are. And if they are real aliens, then they're not choosing government officials to interact with, as far as we know. The debunkers are always going to go on about 100 million in two ways why this is fake or why that is fake, with Olympic-level mental gymnastics. With certain types of people like this, the alien could literally come like right out of a portal, right in front of somebody, and steal their lunch, then walk away through the portal. And this type of person will just go on about how it was a temporary hallucination caused by swamp gas interacting with Venus. And that's why they hallucinated an alien coming to take their lunch. And these people will always be around and only see what they want to see and what falls within their box, their tiny little box that they've been conditioned to think in. But then again, skepticism is actually good concerning all the mysteries. But that should only go ever as far as evidence and intuition suggests. Sticking your head in the sand and saying, no, it's not real, is a whole other story. But eventually it gets to the point where there's so much evidence and there's just so much that if you still are trying to deny something, then, you know, there's just nothing you can do for those types of people. As John says in his book, The Black Vault, we all really just want it to be legit aliens. But there are tons of other possibilities on top of legit aliens. There's just so much we don't know about our own reality. Far more we don't know than we do know by a vast incomparable scale. We as a species vastly overestimate our ability to comprehend the universe. It's possible that what's behind the UFO phenomenon could cause all of our brains to just pop and the views we've had all our lives about our world to come crashing apart in a single moment. 
But out of all the plausible scenarios, which one is most likely utilizing the current level of human knowledge and science to its fullest, there's actually many different views that we could have on UFOs. Like how they could be future humans going back in time to see their ancestors, simulation theory, secret advanced technology, another advanced species that share the Earth with us and are terrestrial, but I don't know, live in the depths of the ocean or underneath the Earth's crust or something, like the hollow Earth stuff. We could think that these UFOs are interdimensional entities that are not necessarily alien in the truest sense, but just living where we live, however, in a different vibration. Or we could go with the idea that UFOs just take on any form that uh, we project onto them and are actually not physical things at all, but more energy beings or something like that. And then there is all the occult stuff we could dig into regarding this phenomenon. But according to John, who has studied this his whole life, according to him, the answer is most likely that yes, these are aliens that we're dealing with. With how old the universe is, and with basically all the grains of sand on the entire planet Earth being able to be analogous to how many galaxies there are out there, and the statistics for having, what are they called? Exoplanets, Earth-like planets. These planets that can host life just like ours among many other forms of life. There are literally, beyond counting these numbers of exoplanets, and statistically, math-wise, the chances that there have been civil many civilizations that have come and gone over the eons, it's like beyond a doubt. At this point, there's enough evidence to show that the idea of there not being aliens out there, either ones that have gone extinct, ones that have yet to come to be, and ones that exist now, it's, his, um, it's a matter, matter of faith, not a matter of science. Like, uh, there's just too much evidence. If you're educated on the topic and informed, it's harder to, like, it takes effort not to believe. And that kind of explains why, to John, um, even if you are one of these aliens that are insanely advanced, what is, would be the point in really talking to us or communicating with us? I mean, what if you were from a civilization that was millions and millions of years old and you found us? Would you even be able to really comprehend how to even interact with us in the first place? It would be like uh, trying to invent something to talk to ants. And I'm not trying to go black-pilled on this. It could easily be the opposite as well, that they found us and they're very excited. You know, and they maybe even want to welcome us to, into their galactic community. Once we're ready, we're obviously not ready. Looking at the evidence, I'm saying that's my personal opinion. But there's also all of those, like... um Supposed meetings of our government heads meeting with the aliens and them offering us zero-point energy, and all they ask in return is that we end the violence on this planet. Sounds like a good deal, right? And if there's any truth to any of that stuff, then uh, if, they, if it turns out that they've been lying to us this whole time, there is going to be hell to pay. There could have been free energy for everybody this whole time for, for decades and decades. Yeah, no, somebody's got to pay for that. And, uh, you know, there's just, uh, there's just so much evidence that something is going on in our government, even though they're, they're finally being forced to talk about it in Congress. They don't want to really share anything either. Like, they're wishy-washy all around. 
We were supposed to get like a whole new paper of disclosure from Congress in November. That fell through and they're not answering questions again. But all I know is that they're going to have to do something like more official and drastic soon. And thanks to people like John, we have basically confirmed fact that the government has covered all this stuff up for so many years and they got a lot to answer for. That's all for today's episode. John Greenwald Jr. actually talked back to me on Twitter. So, yeah, he, he gave me the full blessing to do all this. Make sure you check the details of this episode. I will put down all of his social media tree, as well as links to all of his products and his own content and everything you could ever need. You can read his books. You can follow him on social media. I highly recommend it. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hubs. You look for us and we're there. If you can, listener, please make sure to comment, review, share, do all the things wherever you hear this content. I am going through some rough times and highly need some disposable income. Thank you to all my current supporters. You are keeping the lights on. You're keeping the website going. You're keeping everything running smooth. Thank you so much. If you can, dear listener, please share this podcast episode with somebody else like you, interested in the mysteries of existence, open-minded, inquisitive about the deeper, hidden nature of reality. Share this on social media or wherever you can. It would greatly benefit me. Thank you. As of this moment, the website, licensed music, all, all the stuff that keeps the lights on is fully funded by my supporters. And if you happen to enjoy Cryptic Chronicles and be awesome, perhaps you should join the Chronicles Vault. Just go to crypticchronicles.com, click on the Chronicles Vault at the top of the homepage. You can support Cryptic Chronicles through Patreon, Subscribestar, or any of the other formats. It's all right there. Click away. Once again, crypticchronicles.com. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. And right now I really need it. And as always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grodius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, Ashley Thompson, Matt Poland, Johnny Wick, Dale Adams, Danny Van Heck, Carnage, Jesse Leach, Austin Monday, Michael Graham, Ed Hawks, Trusty Old Senpai, Lex Lazarus, Brian Nolan, Jared, Matthew Lawson, Jismic, Spacecoin, Gary Hetzel, Tom McClarney, Colton Spenner, Justin, Miyamoto Musashi, Jeremy Gross, Psychic Terror, Jacob Neil McBride, Cameron Sanders, Robin Van Patten, Ryan L., and Phantom. Thank you so much, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the greatest generals who ever lived once said,
Great men are meteors, designed to burn so that the earth may be lighted.